Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. So Cobras and Fire are celebrating their 100th episode. Is that really something to be celebrating? Is that something to be proud of? I know, celebrating, you know, when like, you get to hundreds of episodes is just, yeah. it's, it's really uh, I mean, but when self-aggrandizing, we, right, is it not? Right, but, well, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, when we got to 100 episodes, and what was that, like, 200 episodes ago? I mean, jeez, right these guys are just youngsters in the game. But, I mean, when we got to 100, man, that was really something. I mean, but, I mean, this is Cobras and Fire. I mean, should, yeah, I mean, can they, should they now, once they've hit 100, do they owe us something? You know, do they, how do they, how do they make up for what they've done to the world with their first 100 episodes? Quit? No, it's got to be more than that. Now they have to. Kill themselves? They, no, they, oh, okay. they have to make up for the wrongs that they've done to the world somehow. But I don't see no way. Well, they need a third host so they can do a human centipede. Ew. I don't know. They're my favorite show hosted by an Uber driver who sounds like Lego Batman. Yeah. And, you know, I met those guys at the Rock and Pot Expo, and I, I know Baco's from Minnesota, but, man, <laughs> that guy smells like a muskellunge. Oh, gosh. And I'm telling you. Wow, that's freaky. Land of a thousand lakes. But seriously, guys, we are proud of you, yeah. and congrats on 100 episodes. Yeah, very cool, man. We love you guys. If you guys are the bastard children of Decibel Geek Podcast, then we're glad we didn't get an abortion. <laughs> You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast 100th episode. Now raise a glass for the two best-looking men in podcasting, allegedly, who can't afford a voiceover guy, Loose Cannon and Bucko. Covers and Fire. I'm your host, Bruce Cannon, and I'm joined by the millennial Baco. How are you, sir? I am well, Luce. Excited for today. You uh, you call me a millennial, though. Do you do you know what the millennial test is? Uh, no, please tell me. You ask somebody who Uncle Jesse is. If they say Duke's a hazard, they are not a millennial. And if they say Full House, they are. <laughs> I, that, that, even that seems a little too old yeah. for a millennial. Well, but that's well, good enough. So what are we talking about with millennial, then? No, I'm saying millennial is, is as far as it is our 100th episode. That's a term for 100, isn't it? It, As far as I know, yeah. I think so. Uh, I, I'm going to say because it has zeros on it. 
So, right? Yeah. It, it, so if this is our hundredth episode, and it took us four tries to say "Welcome to Cobras and Fire," how many <laughs> how many failed intros have have we recorded in a hundred episodes? I am going to say at least a thousand. Yeah. Okay. What, what I'm with you. Think? It has to math. be, man. I mean, we've hit fifteen and at a couple times for sure. Yeah. I mean, we just did a uh, something special for another podcast, which I'll just not even mention their name, but it's, they're coming up on a kind of a landmark episode too. And, and I think our, our little uh, thing we put together was three minutes and it took us what? 40 minutes. 40 minutes to do I think day? the final edit that I sent was one minute and two seconds. And it, it took us 38 <laughs> minutes to record it. And by the way, I think it took me about 45 minutes to edit, but uh, to be fair, that was largely to a glitch on my end that I didn't pay attention to when I recorded. So I really made a, the job harder for myself. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, folks. We we work very hard making ourselves <laughs> sound somewhat intelligent and coherent for you, for your yeah, listening Despite pleasure. what you might have heard in the Eric Miller episodes, I do actually try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, man. Um, it has been, is it two and a half years? I think it's two and a half years. Yeah, we're going to be three, what, in April? Is that about right? Yep. And But we really picked up the pace in the last 12 months. I mean, I think we've almost been 100% another 100 <laughs> Consist, consistent, like yeah, one did, a week. About one a week, yeah. But anyway, so did what are we going to talk about Did you think we hit 100 today? when you, uh, you, you uh, messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, strange man, uh, would you like to uh, <laughs> join me on a podcast journey? I don't think I looked that far ahead. I was just glad yeah, to be I know able to pull I, three I, or four to, to try it. I think it was at least 12 months. What was it? Maybe our first 30 episodes. I, I was still not sure you weren't catfishing me. So <laughs> I still don't understand what that means. That means just trying to trick you to, to, to lure you into my, my pit. Yeah, I looked it up. Everybody listening understands that you're the only one. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a millennial. I know what it means. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. So, Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today? Besides just talk, just kind of uh, uh, stroke each other on what a, what great podcasters we are to make it this far. Well, um, yeah, we'll we'll touch on throughout how we've kind of changed the course and revolutionized podcasting for the the generations to come. But today <laughs> we're going to kind of touch on like wh- how we got into music, you know, because without without the passion for the music, there's you and I aren't even talking as, as, as much as we we bullshit and have a lot of fun at the expense of, of artists that we actually care a lot about. Uh, yeah. We we do have, you know, a lot of, you know, passion towards the music. And, and actually, we come from very different, you know, backgrounds as to why. So it should be kind of interesting. We'll uh, kind of go back to what got us into it in the first place and kind of touch on some key moments in our life where music was, you know, there for us, good or bad. You know what I mean? It's a celebration or something to get us through a hard time, that kind of deal. And kind of pick songs from those eras. So if I'm not uh, if if I'm not right there, then I've, I've prepared for this episode wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would be, again, consistent. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it basically, you know, what makes two men from two parts of the country spend time not only recording but editing it, you know, mm-hmm. making it listenable and, and hopefully entertaining others? What, Where does that passion come from? And that's why today this episode is called Deep Inside Baco and Loose Cannon. <laughs> uh, is that a working title or is that what we're calling it? <laughs> You don't you don't like the fact that it sounds like a seventies gay porn? 
Uh, that's the only thing I like about it. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, I'll just call it that, Hundo. With a, well, with a with a, a reference to gay porn, I'm going to crack See, open a beer. Now we're fighting already. All right, here we go. Uh, what, you want to guess chug. what kind hey, of? Hey, how many I'm beers have we drank on this show? Man, oof. Not as much as uh, the Canadian geeks who talk metal have done in twenty. <laughs> you know, um, if 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 it's been let's say a thousand over a hundred episodes, I, what do you think the ratio is? Seven hundred me, three hundred you. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on what I've saw, saw one weekend, but yes, let's let's yeah. get down to business. What do you what do you say? We uh, so you don't like that one. What about? Well, you throw out a working title. What do you think? I didn't know. I thought we were just calling the hundredth episode celebration extravaganza. That's a lot of words. What about just uh, that's unmasked? less words than yours, man. Unmasked. We're gonna get, what, what, are, what are we unmasking? We're 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 going to reveal a lot of things about ourselves. They're a little more personal, a little more unsheathed. Uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> unsheathed. I like that. Let's do that. Okay. Paco and Elsie unsheathed. <laughs> that's that's definitely. I like it because it doesn't sound as bad as deep inside. <laughs> And it probably says almost the same thing. So, all right, <laughs> there you much. go. All right, so I'll lose cannon and Baco unsheathed. Perfect. Episode 100. <laughs> Why don't you kick us off? What got you into music and when? Sure. So, you know, <laughs> this was funny today because I was trying to remember what the name of the track was. But uh, I'm just going to go back to 19. Well, first off, uh, the reason I said we we're going to get more personal is I'm actually going to reveal my real name today. Oh, right on. I figure after 100 episodes, we should connect. So I'll just begin with it. And <laughs> and, um, and my name is Navin Johnson. I was born a poor black child in St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> do you get the reference? Or maybe you don't. I do. Do you, Have you watched a movie after 1982? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's all reference. No. Temple of Doom All was I need is this chair. That's, that's right. That's he hates term. these cans. Exactly. All, we're not going to quote movies here. You know, actually, forget <laughs> this. Let's just do for our, our 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 100th episode, let's quote movies, and let's also do a one of those 80s, you know, sitcoms, like once a year when they got lazy, would do the whole uh, look back. Yeah. And they'd, yeah, clip show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just do that. Let's just paste a bunch of clips together and, and make those little dreamy sounds in between. Sweet. Uh, it's a lot easier. Talk we can in a couple weeks. another episode. <laughs> well, actually, you can just go to our YouTube channel for that. Yeah, a lot of stuff's on there. So, but, uh, We're actually yeah, going to so, work at this. Come on, it's 100. Excuse me? I said we're actually going to work tonight. Okay, fine. You know, the first time I knew I liked, basically, the sound of an electric guitar was... Well, actually, before I go there, what what kind of music did you grow up with in your home? Like, what did your parents have playing at all? You know, I, not a lot. I mean, it was like Christmas records and some country music, but it, it's easier to say that they really just didn't listen to a lot of music. Okay. Okay. So my, my parents were, uh, my dad's a professor, my mom did some kind of, like, mm-hmm. got her MBA in something useless, and uh, they're very book, you know, the point is, what what kind of music do you think that, that those type of uh, people would listen to? I'm guessing like you know, early UK punk rock. <laughs> Try Sex again. Pistols. 
<laughs> nope. Um, keep going. Okay. Um, I, like, I like this game, though. This is very good. Yeah. Well, then I get, it had to be Rockabilly. <laughs> no. no. Classical. Know. It's just nothing but, like, Beethoven's 17th or whatever. You know, that that's all that was there was all, all classical music. Nothing in there. In fact, my... Uh, when I would hear something on the radio, they would say, like, no, Luce Jr., because my, my dad's name is Luce as well. I forgot <laughs> to tell you that. But, uh, yeah, so he says, uh, Junior, you know, rock music is stupid because all all it is is they repeat the same chorus over and over again. You need to listen to classical. It's very complex. It's very this. It's very that. And I was like, no, it's boring. And it's probably, I think that I grew up with that. It's probably why I never liked prog rock. It's because I was just assaulted with classical all the time. What sure. do you think about that theory? Uh, it's pretty solid. I think uh, you, <laughs> you should write some, a but, paper on it, some kind of thesis. Yeah, no, but but in, in Make short... Make the old man proud. <laughs> Perfect. You finally came in. You're finally a smart guy. But uh, yeah, so, so essentially that's interesting though because neither of us had, you know, the upbringing where we were kind of like, this is... You, so you didn't absorb it. I mean, I did a little bit through my sister. She was the one who got me into it. But uh, okay, okay. Discovery was, and I'll get to that, but largely uh, you know, on my own. Even when my okay. dad remarried, it was pretty much the same type of household. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so the first song that I heard, and I had this album that I listened to, track eight, over and over again until my parents were, were about to lose their mind, was I had, and this is a spectacular soundtrack, I had the great Muppet Caper soundtrack. <laughs> this is the one where uh, Miss Piggy is riding on a motorcycle. She's a <laughs> badass. She's, she, she breaks through a big stained glass window. It has, I think, not a Steve Martin in that one? No, it's, it's Charles Grodin. The fine uh, Charles Grodin is in there. Is that the one it's where just, the Miss Piggy uh, shower scene? <laughs> I don't know. You mean like a psycho ripoff? Yeah, just or nudity just, is really all I was going just, for there. Just <laughs> nude, like, uh, uh, what is uh, that called? Team America? Just banging. <laughs> Kermit. <laughs> Kermit. Just laying down the tadpole. No, we got, so so <laughs> so basically there, on track eight is a song where I always liked that band. So that was kind of the, the beginning, I think, because I always liked the uh, electric, God, I don't even remember what they're called, but the band with Animal and everybody. Yeah. So I'm going to play a song that you're going to love if you've never heard it before, and it's called Nightlife, sung by Animal. Give me my good friends and play me my music, yeah, give me my nightlife. Talk me that guitar and roll me that boogie, yeah, give me my nightlife. Just the ones on the fenders. Sing me that good times, cause I need the feeling. Yeah, give me that nightlife. Okay, they don't mind. Oh, 
Well, um, you know, based on your first pick, I'm going to assume that I took this a little more seriously than you did. <laughs> well, at that time, I was like six, six years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, yeah, it's when you're eight, eight still, if, it, if it's what gets you hooked, you know, it doesn't really matter. That's, I had, you know, I was, that's pretty I had young disco, age, too, you know. Yeah, Disco Mickey Mouse. I had uh, that album and The Chipmunks. That was pretty much my, my musical palette at that point. Right on. So go ahead. Well, I won't get. I've t- I've covered the, the actual story. Uh, I think on the show, and I know I read, wrote about it on Decibel Geek. But uh, Kiss was my introduction in 1977 through my sister. Really, that's really sh- that's a big shocker. Yeah. Now, and I will tell you this: I could have gone with Kiss almost through the first three eras, but uh, I'm only going to play a Kiss song on this part. But yeah, you know, I will say that there was something. It wasn't just you know because that was about the time that Kiss was kind of getting a little more commercial and the, the the audience was getting younger and they were doing a lot of the toys and things of that nature, which was all great. But I got the music first. And there was definitely something about the music that that was just hit me. You know what I mean? It was not just the imagery, which was you know amazing too. I mean, I spent hours just staring at that Kiss Alive Two album cover, mainly the back part. Uh, but it, it just it, it definitely did have an impact on my life that I don't know that I was really aware was happening at the time. If if you get my drift, I mean, I was a sure. I was a kid. Uh, right. You know, I mean, within a year. A year and a half, not even a not even a year and a half. Um, within fifteen months, they would release, you know, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, the solo albums, Double Platinum, and Dynasty. And right. that seems like a decade of my life in hindsight. You know what I mean? Uh, now that's like, you know, they take that long before they decide if they're going to do something else. But you know, well, just just in general, I mean, that was the whole thing that always fascinated me about. 70s uh, Kiss or just music back in the day in general is you just they just pump them out between all these bands you know you had to put on an album a year or two right, right? Mm-hmm. and and but the great thing with uh, finding out finding Kiss in 77 is they they had a back catalog that I could discover right. and, be, and be new and you know at, at that time you know I mean I was a kid my life was good you know I was in a in a good place mentally you know I was a pretty typical kid living a whatever just a regular life going to school hanging out with friends and stuff and I listened to Kiss. And but the music became very important to me pretty quick, and it just I don't know it basically shaped my identity going forward quite a bit in a way that I wasn't really conscious of probably until my twenties. But um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I've I've broken the whole thing down. There's not a whole lot more to say on that. I, well, I have know, something to say. Yeah. So you consider yourself a pretty big Kiss fan, right? Oh yeah, of course. You know that. But do you have any tattoos? Do you have anything permanent on your body? I do. I have a tiny little Paul Stanley rose, uh, a replica, and uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, when I was fifteen, I tattooed the, a Kiss logo on my inner calf. Okay, and, and myself. Have you gone further with a needle and Indian ink? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Is it still there? Yeah, it doesn't look like a Kiss logo. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Looks like some drunk scrawl on should, you, right? I should, I'll post a picture of it on the Facebook page. <laughs> hey, you won't be able can to make even, it out. Can you even tell it's the word? <laughs> I don't. I haven't looked at it in a while. Last I checked, I remember you might be able to make a K. I don't know. How old were you? Fifteen. You were over. We just you did it with what again? You, you actually had the the actual tattoo. Yeah, I was all kit? safe and, and stuff. I boiled the needle. 
<laughs> just like a sewing needle, you take it and you do. Uh, if you if you're under the age of eighteen, stop listening right now. Uh, yeah, you just take like a you know you know what India ink is. You can buy it at like a, you know any calligraphy store or whatever, like Dick sure. Brick or something. Yeah, yeah. You get a bottle of that and uh, and and you just kind of jab little needle points into your your skin. As long as you penetrate it enough, it'll stay. So were you just like screaming the entire time or was it didn't hurt? <laughs> it's not that painful, but it was not a pleasurable experience, which is kind of why it doesn't look that great now. But uh... <laughs> That's right, because after you're done with the K and the I, you're like, fuck this. Yeah, so, I'm done. Yeah, anyway, enough on that. Right, well, but, 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 but you didn't sound like you went full in. Can we talk about somebody you know that has gone full in on the mm, tattoos? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he's the one of my closest friends. Uh, we'll just call him Wilson. Uh, he, he t- with his back tattoo, or with it started with just the album cover Destroyer, and then he put the solo albums along the top, and now he's kind of shoehorned uh, uh, Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent in there. And uh, yeah, he went to a book signing, and Paul Stanley took a picture of it and tweeted it out. So he's a bit of a rock star. His back is anyway in the Kiss universe. I have seen that picture shared by people numerous times, and in Kiss groups and, and and whatnot. And and our our, our boy uh, Ronda the Third Power, uh, he actually jokingly shared it on Facebook, like, "What do y'all think of my new tattoo?" Uh, <laughs> and he had no idea that I knew who that was, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I got a story I, for you. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, as you I, know, I, I was just in Vegas. Yeah. What? Where were you? I was in Las Vegas. Oh, you're pronouncing it better now. You must. They must. Have <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh, I'm gonna go back and roll the tape. I don't think it was ever different. Unless I was, I was probably just hammered or something. Uh, <laughs> you said Vegas. And we went to the Kiss Mini Golf, right? And uh, him and his wife walked in just ahead of me, and I actually went into a different section, was looking at something when one of the employees comes up to me. And he's, he starts asking me how I'm doing of my big Kiss fan. He wasn't trying to sell me anything. And he's, you know, but, you know, we talked for a couple minutes. He's like, you want to see something crazy? And I'm like, man, maybe there's something like, you know, kind of a, a hidden thing that most people don't get to see or something. I'm like, yeah, sure. So he walks sure. me around. I don't know, hard to, I was just trying to say it, but basically he took me to the back end and brought me back around to the front where, and he introduced me to Mike Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> And he just like said, "Take off your shirt," or something like that. Yeah. Well, I knew what he was doing. We when Mike looked at me and 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 saw that this guy was trying to introduce him to me, we both started laughing. It was like, "Yeah, I've seen it." <laughs> but like, but like, but even even that. So there was a point when when you were uh, on, let's just say, uh, hole number five. He just left and just ripped off his shirt to a random dude. <laughs> this is before we go. I don't. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it doesn't take a whole lot. And his wife is is a uh, an enabler when it comes to it. Uh, he's like, "Show him your tattoo." Is exactly how I think it happened. You know, uh, it, it it definitely comes off uh, a little more frequently than maybe I would prefer. But uh, you know, hey. You know, he, he he spent a lot of time, eighty three hours, to get all that work done. So, if you're not going to show it off once in a while. I, I, I've seen it, and I can tell you that I knew him for like maybe 10 minutes. And I brought up Kiss, and he goes, you're a Kiss fan? He goes, I'm a fucking Kiss fan. He just rips off his shirt. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, seriously? I'm like, I looked at that, and I was like, my God, is that coming? And I was just thinking about the tattoo artist. The, the yeah. same, did he go to the same guy all the time? He did, yeah, yeah. The guy's coming back, he's like, is it, guys, this guy's like paying off his, his fucking... <laughs> Car, <laughs> this guy's coming back again. I almost would be like the whole thing. Like, are you sure you want to continue? Uh, right? So, just before I start, you, I'm about to put Vinnie Vincent on your shoulder. You're cool with that, right? 
so it's actually more than what I saw last time. It's just entire. Just so you know, we're gonna have to put it in the album art or whatever like that if he's cool with it. Oh yeah, I'll have him send me a picture. And just so that the people listening understand, this is one of my closest friends. Uh, we, we went to high school together. He was the best man at my wedding. I've known him forever. I was the best man at his wedding just uh, recently this summer when I went to Vagus. Is that what, how you want me? I don't even know how to pronounce what you're... The, the Vagus. Va- Vagus. Um, but anyway, David Lee Roth wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> but... La Roth. <laughs> I've been taking some speech classes, Luce. Just deal with okay, it. Okay, good. I can tell you much better. <laughs> David LaRoth. There you go. Uh, that one I'll Thank cop you. to. I don't think the Vegas one, though. Anyway, yeah. yeah, so we whatever. There's my uh, Vegas story for you. No, no, but but I mean, just in general, I mean, I mean, let's say you're a guy that, that gets that tattoo and everything, and, uh, you know, he just got married and everything like that, but, but let's say <laughs> but the first time that thing's revealed, you know, like you're on your third date. And you're just all of a sudden taking off your shirt. And all of a sudden, it's just it's just fucking there, right? Well, that's, if that's the miniature big, clone trooper army isn't going to scare her off, the back tattoo is probably you know going to make him cooler. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like you almost have to, right? When you're starting to date somebody, just go like, I, I got to show you something right now before we go forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. But that guy, but I, I mean, I, I, can you imagine his funeral? Yeah, he's gonna be uh, bare, have an open casket, but he's gonna be face down. <laughs> shirtless, shirtless, and face down. Face down. Everybody just, can mourn the tattoo. Uh, at that point, his, his back is just all wrinkled and hairy. He's got like patches of hair <laughs> on top of like it's coming out of like Jean's face. Little tufts. Uh, well, I gotta believe anyway. that the uh, the mortician would uh, you know take a razor to it, little, little put a little nair on there or something. Oh god! Whatever they use, just embalming fluid just spraying out of the destroyer cover. <laughs> well, there's a story for a number one hundred. Well, I, can I get to my song? As important as Kiss was to me, let me. I'll give you three guesses. What song do you think I'm gonna pick? Bang bang you. That was in the top three. Uh, next. Okay. Uh, read my body. Ooh, so close. No, no, no. Burn, bitch, burn. Well, um, you know, I, I stayed away from the '80s because of the time I, you know, I was I was younger. So otherwise, if I, if I was played in the '80s, I would have played definitely one of those three. The, the, that's definitely okay. The good, top, good, so. good. So let's go back in time. Oh, uh, Baby Driver. <laughs> Uh, I I love that song more now than I did then, so I couldn't. I couldn't pick Baby Driver. (laughs) What about Hooligan? He can't go to school again because he's like 75 or 30 or what was the lyrics? Uh, Dropped out of school when I was 22. Yeah, it took a long time to drop out. (laughs) I think he dropped out sooner than that and just made it official at 22. You know what I'm saying? Like filled out the paperwork. Can you imagine seeing Peter Chris? Like he's like Billy Madison. He's like yeah. flunk. He's just been there forever. Uh, they should remake Billy Madison with Peter Chris. <laughs> Peter Chris. He's got to go through all twelve grades. Uh, anyway, um, no, I didn't pick any of those. Um, I, you know, I thought about picking something off of Alive too, but we just played God of Thunder, so I'm just going to go back a little bit. A great song, not one that I've ever seen him play live. They've touched on it a couple times. Maybe they'll hear it on the Kiss Cruise uh, this weekend here. But uh, Flaming Youth off a of Destroyer. <laughs>
Well, we're back to you now. What was the next phase of your life that music had an impact? Yeah, so again, it was kind of funny at the beginning, the little, little Muppets and everything like that. But then, you know, uh, 80, the 80s began. You know, at that point, I was like seven, eight, nine, that zone in, um, for the first couple of years there. And uh, <laughs> again, there's a couple that hit me like Weird Al, like we've played that before, like the uh, Nature Trail in 3D, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We, we've got, uh, and then I heard, then I remember that my favorite Michael Jackson song was, was Beat It. You know, guitar, Eddie Van Halen. So I was always like drawn to these type of things. And then, uh, like you mentioned, that was kind of like you said, back in the day, it was really cool that this could happen because you wouldn't have this now. But we had this channel, WAZY 96.5, that would play, um, I don't know, hollow notes, that kind of stuff. But then Ooh, in between, there was, yeah, but or whatever they were playing, you know, whatever the, the, the pop of the day was. But then all of a sudden, you'd have Panama on the same channel, right? Right on. And that was the first, I was like, this is great. And I'll tell you this much, you know, one of the things that I loved about that song was the whole part, you know, the whole ease your seat back, all that kind of stuff, that part. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, between that and the song that you don't like for whatever reason, Unchained, where it's, you know, come on, Dave, give me a break, those ad-libs. That part is really cool. That that stuff is, I'm just talking about the the actual song. Um, I actually kind of like that little breakdown in Unchained, but... And that yeah. uh, that Panama thing, you know, I, I remember like all the burnouts on the bus, you know, re- recreating that bit, you know, time and time again about. And anytime Van Halen like uh, launched a video, or even like I remember like Sammy Hagar's "I Can't Drive" '55 was just like people would talk about these things. But I, I'm getting a little off tangent. No, no, this is this is the stuff. This is all like a time capsule stuff. That's cool. Anything else you want to say about that? No, is it okay if I open another beer, one that I specially bought for the today's episode before you carry on? Is that the ones, the same ones that, that uh, have been in your fridge since I left because you don't like them? No, no, not? I bought this today. Uh, okay, cool. What is it? Uh, it's a Budweiser 1933 Repeal Reserve. It says it's an amber lager. I haven't actually tried it. It is 6.1% alcohol. Um, it's a Budweiser. Interesting. It's supposed let's, to be their flavor from 1933. Uh, that 6.1 is a bit of a danger zone for me. Um, last time I, I I drank beer with uh, six or higher, we were talking to Chris Sinzak uh, back, I think, in episode 16 or 17, if I remember right, where we did the three <laughs> oh, sides of the coin the, uh... parody. And, uh, and, yeah, go back and listen to it and just kind of see if you can tell when I'm, you know, no longer, you know, in the realm of not wasted. <laughs> let's put it that way. Ah! Wanna fuck loose cannon in the butthole? Oh my god. No edits. I should probably rethink that. My oh wait. god. I thought there was. I'm leaving that edits. in there for your own embarrassment. No, you're not! Anyway, cheers to you, buddy. I'm gonna take my first sink here. Sink. Yeah, I'm already see. wasted. Yeah, first drink. He says sink. Alright. Let's go. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, it's good. It is it. Okay, good. Um no, that that uh, on Panama, the whole breakdown. I would like David Lee Roth to sit, do a breakdown like that every song, kind of like Corn does that whole wow wow wow. There's a section. Is that in really every fair? They song. only do it in the one song, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Just because but, all their songs like, sound the same doesn't mean they all are actually the same. What? What's that? Corn. They are the same song. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so there's there's Panama and and by the way, this was this was kind of interesting too. I don't know if, when you noticed this with Van Halen, but my, one of my parents' speakers because I uh, was out one day and I had not, <laughs> never noticed that. I know where you know you're going Van with Halen, this. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me. 
Well, is it the guitars in one side, um, the bass is in the, the other, and, and the vocals and drums are down the middle for the most part? Yeah, is there anybody else that was mixed like that their entire career? I don't think so. Uh, they couldn't have been the first. I mean, it. it I yeah, it, it that it was clearly before the way things are now, where I, people don't even understand that stereo means left and right, but. Uh, it, <laughs> but it was it, extreme, though, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It, it, you know. I, I mean, you did not want one of the speakers in your car to go out when a Van Halen song was on because you were getting either <laughs> no, bass or not. guitar, not both. That's right. So yeah. So th- from there, it kind of progressed. With, again, still guitars were, were what I was uh, interested in the most, and that. But then I went through. I, I went through a breakdancing phase. Were you aware of this? Uh, I think you've mentioned it on an episode before. Okay. I do want to tell you this real quick. So I started getting into like all these KTEL compilations, rap compilations. But the ones that I liked the most, this, it was like uh, Run DMC, uh, King of Rock, things like that. For and some reason, I, I, I imagine you at like your, your junior high or grade school with a piece of cardboard uh, in the commissary, you know, doing some kind of backspin uh, breakdancing move to I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I love the movie Breakin', Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, Beat Street. These these were the days when you would, uh, having a VCR was like amazing and you would actually rent a VCR. Did, did you ever do that? Rent one? Yeah, I, rent, for, like, uh, I rented a VCR to record Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> Uh, and that Christmas, the night uh, that I rented it, uh, or right before I rented it, though, we got a VCR for Christmas. So I ended up okay. wasting that, what little money I had as a 15-year-old. Oh, terrible. Yeah, that was just crazy. The video cassette costs like 12 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd rent them, and then uh, like, like, uh, there were like $80 to buy back then. Do you remember that? 80 like actually- There were like $350, $400. No, I'm talking about the actual. If you're gonna go oh, buy, yeah. Hills, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna like buy buying a movie was cop, at least fifty bucks. What I'm gonna feature here in this in this part is uh, the first, and I'm gonna actually read some lyrics too because I think they're kind of funny. So I know I've featured Run DMC before, but this is my gateway into rock, and that is the song "King of Rock." Oh, good choice. And there, yeah, and there's one. There's a couple of lyrics that I thought were just badass. I actually watched the video today. It still kind of stands up. It's just anyway, but. Um, you can't touch me with a 10-foot pole, and I even made the devil sell me his soul. That was pretty cool, and I was like 10. Um, yeah. Then we got uh, we got uh, one other part that has never made any sense. Oh, here we go. Now, I want you to see what your response is to this. This, even then, I thought was didn't make any sense. <clears throat> Every jam we play, we break two needles. There's three of us, but we're not the Beatles. <laughs> It does not make any sense. What is? <laughs> it should but, be more like where there's, there's three of us, so obviously we're not the Beatles. I'm the king of rock. There is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must choose fire. I won't stop rocking till I retire. Now we rock the party and come correct. All cuts are on time and rhymes connect. Got the right to vote and we'll elect. And other rappers can't stand us, but give us respect.
Hey, this is Matt Porter. I want to send a shout out to Baco and Loose Cannon as they celebrate 100 episodes of Cobras and Fire. They always offer up great commentary, whether it's on music or news or whatever's going on in their life. And while Jerk Socks will probably be remembered as your stairway to heaven, my favorite bit was the Paul Stanley and Doc McGee roast of the Rock and Pod Expo. If you guys had a dollar for every time that I thought of a burn and followed it with an oh yeah in my head, you wouldn't have any money because obviously nobody pays for podcasts. But that bit was hysterical. And it's kind of like, well, like what is Cobras and Fire? Is it a bad Sylvester Stallone buddy film or a rejected WCW tag team? Oh yeah! But seriously, it was great to meet you guys in Nashville this summer. Thanks for being so entertaining. I hope that Jason can actually get his Kiss Meets the Phantom remake off the ground. Keep doing what you're doing, guys, and listen to The Kiss Room on thekissroom.com. On Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Oh, yeah! All right. Now that you, I've got uh, everybody up to 1983 or 84. 84. I think it's 84. And so it turns out the, at, the, the path to Boboflex for you went through uh, a Muppet record and rap. That's correct. Okay. I took a straighter path. It gets it gets it gets it gets much it gets much more uh, serious later. Yeah, I, I say that as I was like you know like Hall and Oates was my second band after Kiss. So uh, see, and, but you know okay whatever. Well you know the the second phase like I talked about how when I when I first got into Kiss I was in a good place as a as a person you know what I mean mentally the the, the family was stable and all that stuff but by the the, the second group of time I'm going to call it like 82 to 86 you know it was my parents got divorced my dad got remarried and I had to move to another school and and I won't get too deep into this because we like to keep things loose but there is a little bit of a serious side to this I I wasn't well I was I'm going exactly, to get serious I'm going to get okay. to this next part, so you can. All right. Well, fair you know, enough. Um, I'm just going to expose a little bit, talk about something I, I really haven't talked to a lot of people about outside my wife and maybe my sister. Um, but that that is like basically my stepmom, my stepbrother, my stepsister were, were pretty much the opposite of welcoming. There was a clear wall built through the, 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 the house, basically, that I lived in. They had an older brother that would visit, and basically when he would visit, they would all be in one room, and I would be somewhere else, and there was never kind of this effort to bring me in um you know when my dad was gone i really felt like an outsider uh and i was starting a new school and now i went from being a kid that basically you know everybody in my class were were people i grew up with to being the only person in a much bigger school uh that didn't know anybody and it was a very tough adjustment for me and now at this time i started turning to music uh to really just kind of have something to connect with, you know, and it was also the teen years, you know, when things get a little more, you know, uh, melancholy and, and moody for you, uh, especially if you're not, you know, you know, I suddenly went from basically having a, a really positive peer group to being kind of an outsider in every aspect of my life. I lived in a new town. I had no friends and the people I went to school with didn't see, they kind of ostracized me and I went home to the same kind of crap. Um, right. Uh, and so, you know, I, I kind of started, you know, going back to Kiss a lot, um, like I said. But, you know, this is also 82. So this is really where the discovery really st- started firing up for me. You know, in, in 82, we're talking like Def Leppard uh, or 83, whatever. Uh, Def Leppard, Quiet Riots, uh, of course, Motley Crue. You know, a, a Rat became huge on MTV around that time with Round and Round. And, and I started discovering a lot of hard rock. You know, I mean, I could just go on like Dio, Icon. I mean, bands like Keel and TNT, Van Halen. You just mentioned that. You know, was suddenly uh, a band that I was starting to listen to. Black Sabbath, obviously. 
And and now music was more something for me to kind of you know isolate and get a, get away from everything and be part of. And it was it, your happy. It was your happy place. It was, you know. And I I would use Kiss to kind of like build up my motivation a lot. To be honest with you, those cheesy lyrics and stuff that that don't mean that I I couldn't connect with now. Um, still mean a lot to me in, in the nostalgic sense because they were really there for me at a time, you know. Uh, and for the longest time, Kiss was the one consistent thing I had in my life, you know. This wasn't the first time I'd my life would be, you know, turned over against my will because of a marriage dissolving. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And, sure. and and having to deal with changes at school and things of that nature. So. It was good to have music as something to grab onto, and um, it was you know it got got me through a lot of shitty days. Let's put it that way. I never really got so bad where I was like you know turning to drugs or I didn't have any money, so it went to matter and no friends. So I, maybe that maybe that <laughs> took care of it. Uh, uh, you know, it took me a few years uh, in the new school before I started developing developing a social network, and then of course you know when you are the outsider. The friends that you can make are not exactly people that you're going to hold on to for a long time. You know, they're, they're just not typically a good influence on you and that sort of thing. And and while I, you know, definitely had a little shoplifting phase that didn't last long, that kind of stuff. You get what I'm saying? Smoking cigarettes and, you know. Can, uh, can I just jump in here real quick? Absolutely. It just the shoplifting remind me, but but when you were at this new school and everything, was there a guy that ripped off his shirt and he had a kiss tattoo, and you're like, I need to be friends with him? Uh, you know, oddly enough, that guy probably was there without the kiss tattoo, but we didn't meet until about eleventh grade. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, what, what kind of stuff? Do you mind if I just? That's all good, man. Everything you said is going to be. Uh, there's going to be some parallels here, and that's why I think, in general, that. Um, People that are music fans, there's that they have a similar, I think, story. Sure. Where this the music becomes so important to them, not just from looking back and reminding you of good times, but but things in general of what you're talking about. But for, can I just lighten the mood just for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Stuff? Next yeah. one, um, the uh, shoplifting. What did you shoplift? Give me your top three things or oh, something like that. Candy bars. Okay. Um, the first time when you walked out with a candy bar, were you just sweating balls? <laughs> I was sweating balls the last time too. I'm sure, uh, and I don't know. I, I know I got a, probably a magazine or two at a couple times, but oh, uh, action figures, uh, like Star Wars action figures. I went through a little bit of a a couple weeks of that. Gotcha. I actually got you know caught I once, uh, and I talked my oh, way ahead. out of it. I told them it was gang initiation, uh, and the lady bought it. Uh, but I tell you, that was the last time I shoplift. I was so freaked out. Don't tell my parents. Don't tell my parents. You know what I mean. So. Oh yeah, no, that, I I totally get you. The, you know what I shoplifted? Shoplifted though. I'm guessing paper clips. Porn. <laughs> oh, there is no place for me to do that. Otherwise, that would have been on the list. Although I was a little well, young. Well, th- this was back in the day when they would just have uh, Playboys and and yeah, not uh, in my time, whatever. man. Just, no, uh, uh-uh. you had to get really? to, you had to get out to the truck stop to get the. The greasy porno, or play, even a Playboy. No, this this you know is ridiculous. Mean? Like if you would go to like the, the there was a local supermarket, Smitty's, and there was like mm-hmm. a Payless and stuff like that. They would have just where you would see the little magazine section. They would have every fucking porn book there. Not no time. Maybe did, it's a little easier now, but no. You, I mean, gas stations maybe, but the most of it was. I would the go in. Yeah, I mean, how obvious was I? I would wear like a big coat in the summer <laughs> and go there, and I seriously would just load up with all of them. 
And this is like when I was like uh, maybe 12 or 13. And, but what I would do is I would start selling the centerfolds at school. Oh, okay. And like uh, be like a dealer, like like the, the guy in the I street. I assume for your like college fund? His, <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, that's the one thing I did is like because I couldn't buy it, hooking, so I was like hooking your way through school. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so I was like, I, I can't buy it, so I might as well fucking steal it. That was the only thing that I ever really stole, besides money from a, 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 a from sad. <laughs> I took a couple bucks out of my mom's purse a couple times. Okay. All right. Nothing substantial, though. I mean, I I was always afraid to get. I mean, I, I would I would steal. <laughs> Not even enough alcohol to get drunk, even at like 15, from my parents' liquor bottles because I wouldn't want them to notice what was gone. And then I'd put right. it like in a pop bottle and bury it, and then I'd never drink it. <laughs> You'd bury it in the backyard? Yeah, I had like a little area between our, our garage and another building, and I would, they would hide it there. Hey, I gotta get drunk. First, I gotta get my shovel and take <laughs> out my bottle. But as far as shoplifting and going in the stores, uh, you know... Yeah, anyway, I was. I wasn't I, very good at it. Did you ever? Did you ever get caught? Oh, thank you for reminding me. I did get caught one. I didn't get caught in this, but I don't know if you ever did this. But I would go to. This is all the way when I was like sixteen or seventeen, where I would go to uh, the local record store, and I was always pissed that the new releases were like, you know, ten ninety nine, eleven ninety nine. Those are the ones always on sale, right? The first week, right? Yeah. Yeah, first week, and then you go to the back catalog, and they're like sixteen, seventeen dollars. I'm like, fuck that! It's the same product. So I would just take, I would just rip off the uh, uh, price tags and move them on to the. Oh sure, the, I probably the, did the stuff back like catalog. that at some point too. I don't know if that. Could right, so I did that for did that for a while. Then all of a sudden, I was I, <laughs> I had like two or three, and the guys like, uh, come with me, and they go back and he's like, he's like, what the fuck, you, you know, because they didn't have a big scanning system back then. Yeah, but uh, but then he busted. He's like, if you do this ever again, you never get in here. Get the fuck out of here. And I was like, all right. And I was like, I had a good run there though. Okay. Well, um, uh, I'll, I'll uh, wrap it up by saying, uh, uh, before I get into my pick, that yeah, so initially music, I think I, I would say in a way it found me. And, and this is more the time where I kind of really needed it, kind of leaned on mm-hmm. it a little bit. So this band, you know, like a lot of the bands at the time, but this one really spoke to me. And I'm talking about Wasp. Now, you're not well, as versed in Wasp. I was kind of surprised at that, that you really like some of these songs <laughs> that you were hearing for the first time. Oh yeah, and this one will be one that I hear for the first time too. I only know like "Blind in Texas" and a couple other ones. Okay, but uh, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity before we play the song for you to for us to. to uh, <laughs> we're not going to do a clip show, but can we can we listen to the meat throwing segment? Did you know that WASP stands for "We Are Sexual Perverts"? I did not. No, is that actually the, the definition? Well, I think Blackie might say something different now. He found Jesus somewhere along the way and stopped throwing meat into the crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it also stands for white angles. That's, that's actually, that's actually Protestants. What, what? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Right. That's that's the. Uh, oh, but yeah, that was their bit for a while. That's what there's a little. Was, we are we are sexual perverts. And by the way, usually it's. Hey hey hey. What throughout history usually. Whenever somebody becomes a born again Christian, it's right after they stop throwing meat out into the crowd. <laughs> oh, spit take! <laughs> oh, you said that right as I was taking a drink. Oh. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. There's, there's different tra- there's different transitions. It but it's like it's like that, or but that's usually where it is. It's like I remember the day I found Jesus was when I. Th- 
stop throwing pork loins at, at row two and three. <laughs> I just stood there holding a tenderloin <laughs> in my hand going, what am I doing my life? <laughs> I've got to turn it around. I've got all this blood hanging on from this tenderloin. You know, the funny thing is, I don't think he had, like, any addiction issues. So he, yeah. I think we might be onto something. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he was addicted to throwing me to <laughs> <laughs> He just wakes up every day. I can't wait till my headlining set when I can just grasp into the cooler. Pepperoni slices. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this fucking porterhouse is hitting that bastard in the second row. <laughs> How you like that? Medium rare, bitch. Oh, we got to get to the next song. <laughs> I think we do. I think we beat that beat. Bit what if you were through chicken? <laughs> he did. It was kind of like, that's what I'm saying. It's Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper throws chickens. He throws meat. He takes the next level. But anyway, all right. So. You got like a family packet. <laughs> <laughs> Take a breast. There's a little thigh. <laughs> Have a wing. Oh, oh what's next, man? And then what's the song? What's the song that's going to come in right after it? It's called The Rock Rolls On. Cut a vein open for the audience and uh, shared some stuff that I haven't really talked about too much. Loose. Um, I, I have. I cried during the Wasp song. If it's all right with everybody, um, but I, I'm, I'm past it. Uh, yeah. You know uh, the funny thing uh, on that. Just a little bit before I get it, kick it back to you. Uh, sure. uh, my sister was just here uh, de- uh, dealing with something pretty cool for her, uh, and my stepmom. Uh, by the way, she's not my stepmother anymore. Reached out to see if we could all get together, and uh, Julie, that's uh, my sister, uh, contacted me, and and she's like, you know, well, I don't know, do you want to do this? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I I don't wish any ill will towards anybody. I wasn't physically abused or anything like that. But I'm just like I don't even know why she care. Why, why did she, would she want to? When I was living in her house, she didn't want me there. I just you know be live your life. Let me live mine. I I want to listen to music. You know. And then I I, well, I immediately I, I I said no to my sister. And then I played "Fuck Like a Beast" by Was. You didn't. No, I did not. I, really, okay. I should have, though, in hindsight. Anyway, Luz, I cut a vein. What do you got for us? You got something serious? A little more upbeat. What do we got going here? I'm just, I'm still imagining you slamming the phone down and then just cranking like a beast. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Just, just to make the, it better, I said, can you call me on my home phone, my landline, uh, so I can slam it down when we're done talking? <laughs> slam it down, and then you run to your part, you run to your Camaro, and just fucking crank, fuck like a beast. I have a Camaro in the backyard through. on bricks. I just go in and listen to music. For me, what, what, now we're going into 87? 87. And this is when shit gets real, Baco. You ready to get real? I guess I am, yeah. Okay. And that's what we wanted to do a little bit in this episode is we're, we're, we always clown around, but there is a reason why we've done 100 episodes and we've spent time doing this, and it is because of the passion for the music. And this is where... It's not just about the, the passion for the music, though, Luis. It's, uh, it's also been the man love between you and I. So I'd like to continue, if I could, please. <laughs> absolutely. You, you know, I, I think I've, I've, I've said absolutely enough. Uh, people should start drinking every time I say absolutely. Yeah, there's a couple words too. I've been I've been told that I say a lot. I think I always say the point being. Mm, that's it. And oh, man, there's a couple. Please submit. Go on our Facebook page. Let me know that the phrases I say way too much. Yeah, we can do, we can uh, make a Cobras and Fire drinking game. So yeah, but then we can also work on this next hundred episodes not saying those things. It'll be like a test. Ooh, yeah, I like yeah. that. I'm gonna fail probably right away. So here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wasn't born a, a poor black child in St. Louis named Navin Johnson. But I, I the the honest truth is, is that right uh, <clears throat> with. With my story is is that with my parents, my parents like it is amazing like the difference of parents now in general. Like I am actually friends with my kids. I am, but I'm dis- I discipline them, and they annoy the shit out of me a lot of times. As you've heard, guys <laughs> have heard them Witnessed. come on the podcast. You've witnessed it and and seen them come in. But there is a uh, uh, my parents always had kind of a separation of I would just call it church and state almost where it was like we are your parents. We're not there to be that friendly with you or to know anything about you. We're just here to raise you some way, and that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like very standoffish. And so for me, that the and uh, my brother, I well, I'm, I'm friendly with him and everything like that. He was a big only sports guy. He wasn't really into music at all, and the music he was into was was not the stuff I was into. So I didn't have that connection too. And that kind of goes also with the fact that <clears throat> for my entire life. I have not, never really had, except for a very small group of people, people to actually talk about music. They were obsessed about the minutia okay. and all the silliness and things like that. So I always had that as a missing thing, too. Is a, I might is be a fortunate in that sense, and I never, I never thought about that. As I got older, there was a lot of us. So Was there? Yeah. So it was... Growing it was up, though, no. not it was, I was alone. Okay. So, But, like, like, a, like I know you're... 
Vikings fans stuff like that. But do you get into the minutia and all the stats? Like are you fantasy football? Or I did like fantasy football football for about ten years. I had to get out of it because it ruined watching games for me. So yeah, to a certain extent, I get into some. I don't know how what what you consider minutia though. Um, I understand elements to the game that a lot of people that I watch it with maybe don't. Um, but I also don't miss a game when the Vikings are playing. So, right, it's a, it's what, like, for whatever, right or wrong, it's important to me, and it's been there something I've done my whole life. So, it, it's cool that you got into both because usually it seems like it's either sports or music. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I checked out for a little bit when, when during the time that, that I just talked about, but uh, you know, shortly okay. after that. I don't. I don't lean on sports when things are negative. Let's put it that way. Sports is just an outlet for me to to yell at something for th- three hours. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah. So, so music has basically been a very uh, isolated thing for me. Okay. Where it was like you know headphones. Um, there wasn't a group of people that'd be like, yeah, man, Metallica. It's very. It's always been. It's always been difficult for me to actually find people to go to concerts with, for the most part. And, and when I do go to concerts, I ask myself, why the fuck do I like this music, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're a snob. And you're over there with your pinky out drinking some unheard of IPA going, I do not relate to any of these people. <laughs> but in Skid all seriousness, <laughs> By the way, r- real quick. I love tangent. big guns. Uh, I'll take another one of these IPAs, my good man. <laughs> I sure hope they play Sweet Little Sister. <laughs> oh, you don't know that. Mm. <laughs> Keep going, please. Uh, I think I'm out. Oh, it's your time. That was that was going really well. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so with that said, I went to. Um, no, I'll, I'll go back on. Excuse there. me, my good man. Do you know what time uh, the next man starts? <laughs> Do I have time for another IPA? I do have to get an Uber home before 10. <laughs> well, please continue. Anything, anything else you have before I go into the tragedy of my life? <laughs> no, let's get into it. I think this is a good time. Okay, good. So, yeah, man. I mean, in short, uh, I have been... Okay, so, so with my parents, like I said, they're they're like very scientific, very book um oriented and what i mean by that is that it's basically like they read the bible know how to, huh nothing they read the bible is what i said nah not really but the but basically like just like if there's a problem there is a scientific formula or a way that that experts will have to fix it do you see what i'm saying yep and it's right that here <laughs> they didn't drink either. The problem and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> okay, beer. so they weren't drinkers and they were book smart. Yeah. And they listen to classical music. Mm-hmm. This is not people that I... Re- yeah, okay. So so with all those those things So your said, dad's like, Louis Jr., do you mind uh, turning up the hi-fi for father? God! Are you done with that voice? <laughs> you told me to keep going. <laughs> please, please, you can keep jumping in here. You know what? Actually, you should be my therapist right now with that, that voice. Tell me, how does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, yeah, so, so off and on, since like 13 years old on, uh, you know, I, I've, been, I've been medicated. I've, I've had, like, I had, I, I realized early on that there's, there's basically. And you would have been, what, like, 13 and 87, is that right? Yeah. Okay. 
And, you know, basically I was depressed to the fact that, that I just, you know, uh, even to this day, my wife says, you know, you're kind of like an angry or sad person that's happy sometimes. <laughs> like, what's a great thing to say? What a great yeah. description. I'm glad, I'm glad you got on this uh, bandwagon with me. But, but th- what I'm saying about that is that I realized that there's only a few things that, that really put me in uh, the right zone, and that was music. Uh, it basically was – back in the day, if you think about this, um, you know, somebody that said like, oh, you go to see a therapist or you take medication, you're like a fucking freak. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, not back like in the now. 80s, not like now where it's like, hey, everybody goes and does whatever. And, you know. I actually uh, did see a therapist because of my parents' first divorce. Uh, okay. Not at my, I didn't ask for it. It was just like this family counseling deal to, uh, point being is that like, I remember I didn't want anybody to know. You know, I didn't want my sister to tell my friends at school, you know, that we were doing this. And you're right. It, it had a stigma. It had a huge stigma. And I always thought people would. New and stuff like that. And all it was, it wasn't like I, I, I didn't done anything really bad. It was just the fact that I wasn't like a uh, extremely happy kid all the time and stuff like that. But but um, and then with that said, uh, going to those things and knowing that that I, I took a pill and stuff like that um, made me even feel weirder. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you're like like okay, this. Oh, is Oh, like so when you say you were medicating, you actually were. What were, what were you taking? Um, I don't remember back in then, but I was like Prozac for a while. Okay. And, uh, I still take stuff okay. now. And, uh, most of it actually was social anxiety. Like I would just be all, all this different kind of stuff. But, but, but basically with going through that is that music was such an important part and, and still is where, um, and then like in 87, I was just fascinated with the, the, the whole, well, uh, Okay, so music and basically girls. Yeah, the girls thing is more almost like biology, though. I mean, yes, no, but I'm saying like that was my that was the that the happy zone. But I was like, but yeah, let me like when you hit puberty, did it seem like just the strangest things would just give you like this uncontrollable raging boner at like the oh worst times? I mean, I just I remember like uh, like I had this class that um, this girl that I was particularly attracted to. Uh, she had gym class right before it, and there was this like stretch of time that were like two weeks where they would swimming class, and she would come in with her hair still noticeably wet, right? And so all I could think about was that like about ten minutes ago she was naked, and I wouldn't be able to focus on class or anything, and it's just like and it, my uh, my pants got tighter because yeah, you know, it's like it was uncomfortable. It's like why can't I control this? Oh, that, that was the same thing with math class. It's like an ongoing joke. You hear people say it, but that would happen. I would get like a raging boner. And then all of a sudden they're like, uh, hey, uh, uh, Luce, why don't you come up to the chalkboard and solve this uh, algebra equation? I'm like, oh, my God. And you, you, what, what about when you had to walk? Like in some way you'd like oh, you'd yeah. do a subtle positioning of it, like downward, right? Yeah, or I, I would go upward. I would just try to like. Kind of oh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, you just get it along, and like, <laughs> and then it's like yeah. you know, you know, if you're fortunate, it's up towards your waist of your belt there, and uh, uh, <laughs> you got your you got your shirt cock, tucked in. You got a little, little cock mark on the bottom. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it was fucked up. It, it it actually was very debilitating at times. It's like it would just take over your brain and your body, and you could miss thirty minutes of class because it's like. All you can think about is like this weird thing. It's like, oh, a bird flew out the window. Bird, bird reminded me of a windy day. Oh my god, that girl is hot. 
Anyway, so we went from uh, uh, medication to boners. Yeah, what do you think yeah. about that transition? We're, we're pretty good. Obviously, you, you're kind of getting into some serious stuff here, but not so much the boner talk. But, uh, um, <laughs> That's serious. But but you know, you, well, of course, we all dealt with it. Uh, I, I've I, I did the same thing we always do. You know, we, we both take off on tangents. But so back to kind of what you're talking about, though. I mean, so you're, you're dealing with all this stuff. You're kind of feeling a little bit like an outsider. So so you clung to music, uh, you know, hard rock. You know, you you had that. Uh, that hard rock uh, background with uh, the Muppets and Run DMC. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, how to like get more back to how 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 you kind of leaned on music at that time? Yeah, it was just it, it kind of a lot of it was was that was such a like a fantasy aspect to it. And this is not Kiss didn't really hit me at this point. So it was okay. as far as that whole imagery. But the imagery that I was fascinated with was the fact that. Like in '87, you know, it was all about the, the ladies and, and in puberty and everything. And I, I was like fascinated with the whole Sunset Strip mentality. Oh, sure. The fact that you go out there, there's just girls everywhere. They're just banging at the whiskey a go go, <laughs> and that whole concept of of Motley Crue. And you just walk in there and they're just lined up like a like a smorgasbord and just 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 banging and like that. And, and you you'd see these videos and it just like showed all that. And I was like, man, that's where I want to be. So Motley Crue was perfect because mm. um, now thinking back on it, Girls Goes Girls is not a good album. Do you do you agree? You know, I like it, but it you know, it's it's difficult to be objective, especially when, you know, that was one of the bands that I leaned on. So I <sighs> Yeah, it's got a lot of filler, but it's also kind of dirty, though. You know, it was they, right. they kind of got a little gritty and heavy just before Guns N' Roses broke, and I, I don't think you know Motley Crue actually changed their image ahead of everybody else on from that era, so they kind of led the way. That's true, um, and they were the first band that I would take my notebook in uh, like study hall. And just start writing and scrawling lyrics down to. Okay, and, and, and but, ninth grade algebra, I sat next to a, uh, uh, a like a bulletin board material, right? Right, and I I probably just kind of like I talked about that tattoo dot 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 dot. Maybe this is where I got my technique technique down. I would take my sure. pencil and just poke it into the chalkboard material and form a K I S S, and I made like I don't know thirty of those in the corner before I got busted by the the teacher. <laughs> I failed algebra, by the way. Yeah, so so Checked out. Molly Crew was so Molly Crew was the, one of the uh, first bands I found uh, thought was dangerous, and I had I had kind of ignored their whole theater of pain, uh, you know, silly videos and things like that. But the but yeah, when Wild Side still is it might be my favorite song for them. Okay, by them, be, even though it's it's a you know not a deep track at all because the fact that I actually was like thought it was dangerous. This is before I heard Guns N' Roses. All that kind of stuff, like you just said. Yeah, Guns N' Roses didn't really break for another year. Until 88. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beginning of 88, I believe, is what it was. But the whole, I carry my crucifix under my death list, forward my mail to me in hell. Oh, my God. Nicky could write some lyrics, that's for sure. That's when he could actually write them. I mean, like, um, and the whole part about, uh, oh, um, Papa won't be... Papa won't be home tonight. Found dead with his best friend's friend's wife. Best friend's wife.
I mean, I mean, I used to watch, just write those down. I was like, this this song is incredible. Yeah, it's funny you say um, that. I think probably more than any other band, Motley Crue's lyrics were something that I focused on. And you know, I've never been a huge, you know, like lyric guy. Certain songs I would really have to break down and find the message. I know I turned the lights out and picked apart Pink Floyd the Wall a couple of different times, but. I, and Black Sabbath probably too, but for a, a collective group, I mean, those first four or five Motley records really lyrically spoke to me. So you, I think you're onto something here. Yeah, and, and, and especially, I mean, they they keep keep progressing until that single "Sex." That was probably their peak of, uh, <laughs> of lyrics. <laughs> On episode 100, my name is Fog Weaver, and I'm here to represent my mother and myself, and I want you guys to know that my mom is getting a tattoo down by her private area in the lower region of the Cobras, the podcast, 100th episode. Viva, 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 Paco! Congratulations. Well, you know that's uh, you know that's really cool, man. I, I had no idea. I, I mean, obviously we've never talked about it, so. Well, yeah, and we're most, learning a lot about people, each other. Yeah, most people don't anyway, and they still don't because I use a pseudonym. It's <laughs> 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 one of the reasons I have the loose uh, cannon. I mean, I mean, could you? Do, is it a surprise that somebody that has the name Loose Cannon doesn't use a real name on a uh, on a podcast might have some issues? Yeah, I guess uh, not really. Yes. Uh, I always thought it was a bit, right. but apparently it's uh, it turns out no, that no, no. Uh, you it's, just it's, mash it's, everything it's, down until it rots and festers, and then it explodes. There you so. go. All right, well, uh, we're on to my next era, um, the third era that I chose. I guess uh, it, this would be I will call this like eighty six to. 90. Why don't we do that? But uh, the next sure. chunk where music, I think, really was important for me was when I started learning how to play guitar uh, and, and and the influence there. Now, it's a lot of the same kind of music, but at this point now, I'm starting to focus more on little, on some of the playing and the techniques and, and learning the players and, and, of course, not being able to play anything they play was disappointing, but... Uh, it was definitely a fun and um, like finally I had something that I felt like I was actually doing instead of just sitting around, you know, clipping magazines apart, taping them to my wall. Now I was actually like developing a craft, something that I could contribute. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's and that's really awesome too because that's the one thing I was very odd is that I never took that step. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like to actually create 
as far as uh, the music. So was that like a big like? Re- but there's a lot of times when you're so fr- like I started fucking around with guitar and they got pit- they got frustrated and I messed with bass and I stopped. But was there were you full on from the beginning or did you start and stop a lot? Um, well, I was full on, but it was a long time before I could function on anything that that would make sense to somebody listening. Um, I mean, it was at least six months of me just. I mean, it was almost like I was some autistic kid with a toy. I would just, you know, just, I wouldn't even, I didn't know how to tune it. I didn't know chords. Um, and, and then once I started learning a little bit, you know, I, you know, you meet a couple friends and they'll show you a couple things. They teach you how to. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that you're self-taught? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I've heard that some, some guitarists are self-taught. I, I would say in rock music, the bulk of them are. No, it's just always funny when you hear that oh, they have an article. You're being right? sarcastic. You say like, 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 yeah. This person, this person, Eddie Van Halen, actually doesn't know how to read music. Well, no shit. Well, I didn't get the joke, so I'm really glad I went straight honesty with it. I'm like, actually, it's pretty common. It's, there's nothing special about it. <laughs> then I go, yeah, actually, I was a bit of a, you know, uh, a prodigy. No, I was, <laughs> I was the opposite. I'm still kind of like, uh, uh, what's uh, Sean McCoy calls himself a banger on the guitar, and I would say that'd be a good way to describe my guitar playing. I, I, I'm just very aggressive. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> nobody's gonna learn a whole lot from me. Maybe a couple beginner but, tips. But. but what's how how awesome was it the first time you could? Because I, I, I fucked around the guitar enough where I could play riffs yeah you know what i mean like the first time you could actually do it and do it consistently wasn't that awesome yeah it was pretty cool playing like uh rocky like a hurricane was one of the early like just uh chord progressions Uh, i I learned um the first song i think i learned front end believe it or not was detroit rock city and that was like uh you know like a, a three days in the summer of just like working through the tablature and learning like all four parts the guitar solo and stuff just because i got so obsessed with it but you know, I would get less worried about practicing after a while, and I took some guitar lessons, but they were complete garbage. Uh, it was like it was clear by the second lesson that like the the people teaching me didn't understand what I was trying to get out of the guitar. They wanted to basically start from like you know, this is how you hold the pick. This is like all right, you know, show me how to fucking play like a docking song. You know, I, I don't right. want. You know, I, I got. I can figure. You give me a piece of paper with, uh, um, you know, like the what do they call scales. I can sit at home and do that on myself. Show me how to play this. That's what I wanted, and and I wasn't getting that from a teacher, so I basically quit after a few lessons, and then from there it was really just piecing together tablature and and other guys that played guitar, and and then eventually you develop a little bit of your own kind of approach to it, and I I really just wanted to get to the point where I could write songs and I could use it for that, and and that's kind of how I've I've been ever since. But at the time it was all about Jakey e. Lee and George Lynch, as and by the way I've never come close to being the type of player they are, but those two just something about their 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 style and sound still resonate with me when I listen to those records, the the early Doc and stuff, and even like uh, some of the stuff George Lynch has done, you know, in more recent years. But uh, and Jakey e. Lee, those two records he did with Ozzy are just uh, I, those to me are still like iconic guitar albums, and and that's kind of where I'm going with this. I'm gonna go with the Jakey e. Lee song off the, uh, the second record they did with Ozzy off the Ultimate Sin, uh, Fool Like You.
reminds me of something my grandfather used to say to me, you know, he'd look at me and he'd say, I'm going upstairs and fuck your grandma. Well, well, well. Cobras and Fire, Loose Cannon, and Baco. 100 episodes and a permanent blue dot next to something called the Ken Mills Jerk Sock Story. But all that aside, I just wanted to call in and congratulate you guys on 100 episodes. Woo, how'd you do it? Man, that's a lot of work, isn't it? What, what do you think the budget of actual purchase music versus beers are in the 100 episodes of Cobras and Fire? I'd be curious. Mega curious. Cobras and Fire is a show that uh, has uh, voiced opinions that Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 is a perfect album, yet discounts the greatness of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Also disparages my gateway metal band, Quiet Riot, every chance it gets. So why do I keep listening? To quote one of my favorite all-time movies, Casino, because I'm fucking stupid and I don't know any better. But seriously, congratulations on 100 episodes, guys. I always tune in. I love the show. And I will always be in your corner. All right. Here's to you. Guys like you, you do grow on trees. Keep up with the rock rants and ridiculous, and I will always listen. Please take me out with a little sex in your headphones with Cobras and Fire. Later, guys. Uh, before we keep going here, Lewis, why don't we take a second to kind of actually reflect back? I mean, we should acknowledge at some point in the middle of here that we are, this is 100 episodes in, brother. Um, what what kind of, I don't know, just tell me what off the top of your head is some of your favorite parts. Yeah, I would say favorite parts, I mean, early on was the fact that uh, I've always done this with, with uh, things about Volvo, where it's always act as if. And, and one of the things that I was just thrilled about was the fact, like, the Bruce Kulick interview. I mean, that was fucking awesome. Definitely I just started this thing. List. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, just to be able to meet him uh, in person at, at Key West to do the interview and things like that. And just, like, you know just kind of bullshitting my way into that. Like, Hey, I've got this podcast or something like that. And, and it's we had zero listeners at that point. Yeah. So, and now we have one. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. Thanks Adam Cox. <laughs> Coxie. <laughs> go Coxie. But, but yeah, so that was definitely a highlight. I'm going to go to just, I guess a lot of the highlights for, for me is, is that when we start these episodes, we have a general outline, but we don't really, have a complete plan. A lot of times we don't even have the songs. And I guess that the highlights for me is when you go back and you edit them and you just, and what I've noticed is a lot of the podcasts out there have, you know, somebody will say, and now we're going to play XYZ band off of this album. And if you listen to our, our things, you better look in the, the notes because we just shove the, based on the conversation, um, Right, we just kind of blend in the song. A lot of times, right. the, the song ends up being what we were talking about, and that's the only. And if we didn't talk about it, it wouldn't have made it, you know. And I thought that was kind of cool because that was kind of a style that we kind of just worked on. I'm not saying it's unique. I'm just saying that that was sure. No, that was something I, I learned on the the editing process. And I guess the highlights for me, I'm, I'm trying to think of specific episodes. I really like the the Purge Your Illusion. Um, but most of my things I would just say in general are when you listen back to an episode and you realize there's a, a piece of gold that just went, uh, came out of nowhere. And that's probably the best parts of the show is when they're not planned at all. And then you just, there's like a, you know, a certain type of sock 
is is brought up <laughs> and, and things like that and and uh well the wasp oh, I, meat I throwing like, thing was kind of random uh yeah that was completely even the random. uh fuck the, like a beast story i i wasn't planning on telling it when we did that one another wasp story or vince yeah. neal running for chipotle he, it, he did the same thing he left he left the stage it was like an hour show he left the stage for at He's least been doing 20, that garbage that long jesus i'm talking like six years ago no he, he left for for 20 minutes you know, it was Dana and whatever that drummer's yeah. name was, Zoltan. He left for at least 20 to 25 minutes and took a nap somewhere. And they basically played like <laughs> at least three to four songs that weren't Motley. They were just went, like. Went to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> got some. Got some. You got eco- a guy. It's got, in his rider. You have to drive him to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when I'm in this show. At the 30 minute mark, you better be fucking there. Take me to Chipotle. Car running. <laughs> car, car running. Because when I come back and shit over, shit, shout, shout the devil, I need to have a full belly. <laughs> and you wait, and you wait till the, I can't do this. And you wait till they got the meat in the burrito before you ask for double meat. Are you trying to do a Vincent impression? Or? <laughs> I'm trying, but... <laughs> oh my God, I don't know what um, that was. I don't know, but I'll throw it to you. I mean, basically, in summary, the highlights for me are the ones that aren't planned and just kind of happen organically. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all that. If you want a couple episode highlights, well, obviously, the Ken Mills jerk sock story is probably saved... <laughs> <laughs> Has, has, you know, is responsible for peace in the Middle East. Uh, at least it will be. Uh, um... <laughs> All the interviews we've done, I've enjoyed. Even the Doyle one. Um, what am I thinking about? Interviewing fucking Danko Jones. Danko Jones was there. Was, was where I was headed there. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that uh, it was quite the crowd pleaser, but I love talking to Chad Nicefield from Wilson. And, of course, the Don Jameson interview was a lot of fun. Even the That's Bob true. Kulik one I thought was cool. We, you, oh, we, was. we each talked to a Kulik brother, and uh, uh, he, was, uh, he was quite the gentleman. <laughs> but uh, no, we've had a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I actually look forward to keeping keeping this going and doing another hundred episodes and a hundred after that, and hopefully we don't yeah. get too sick of each other. I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, the Gene Simmons and Ace deal that we went to in uh, St. Paul here was a highlight. Uh, it wasn't really show related, but the sh- without the show, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, um, VIP, and then the, I'll send this too: is that and the, the expo, just like you. of course, and you know, oh. Uh, and of course, uh, being uh, uh, riding the coattails of Decibel Geek for so long is a highlight. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, well, cheers, buddy. Here's to 100 more. Here you go. Now let's get back to something a lot of fun. Let's talk about the, maybe your house burning down or something. <laughs> this is going to be your favorite part of the show. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Who, who knew that a house fire could be a recurring joke on the show? Oh my God. Well. <laughs> Probably the same guy who said, you know what you should talk about is house fires and jerk socks. That's right. Jerk jerk socks and uh, depression. It's a great combo. Let's yeah. go. It's fucking great. <laughs> but uh, but no. Your house is burning down. My socks. <laughs> Did I tell the story hey, like, about the... Uh, what are you talking about, about Luz my- Jr.? <laughs> we're, we're losing everything, not just your socks. <laughs> <laughs> More of that joke. All right. How about this? Uh, I don't think I've told this story to you before. Okay. I, at least not not on the uh, the show. But one of the one of the highlights of the house burning down uh. is uh. Well, I'll, I'll I'll back up. So Baco, it was a dark and stormy night. 
It had been an ice storm in 1991 in West Lafayette, Indiana for over a week. Nobody could leave their home. Power was out. It was, there was no internet at the time. It was brutal. And the, to keep warm, we used a fireplace, obviously, you know, with no power. And we had it going on for a long, long time. And the old chimney sweep, the old chimney sweep had not been around for, for, for who knows when. And finally, though, we, the roads were paved and we left the home to go get showers at, at, a, at a general place where showers were held. And, and, and water flowed freely. So we left to go to go get clean, and uh, my parents went wherever they went, and my brother and I, you know, I got in my uh, my Buick Skylark 1981, uh, off off color yellow. Sweet ride. Was, uh, we, yep, we had, I had gotten it from my my grandma after she died. I inherited that, so thanks. And uh, we drove to the local bathhouse to get a good scrubbing, and after we were nice and clean. I uh, met my girlfriend at the time, uh, which is called her name Sarah, and we went to uh, have a nice calzone. We had a nice calzone, and while we were there, and remember this is before cell phones, all of a sudden uh, I, I dropped my, my girlfriend off. Her mother ran out of her house and said, Loose! Loose! Loose Junior! Your, your, your house is on fire! just spent two years of working at places like Ponderosa, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chili's, all this stuff, built up my 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 collection of music. Uh, I went and I would buy tons of um, albums, uh, in, in other words, uh, records, ver- uh, vinyl, whatever you want to call it, 
the uh, versus the other one because you could get them for three bucks and four bucks. And I got the whole Van Halen collection. I had all of Kiss. I had all of my crew. I'd have all this stuff. And I had bought this fucking kick-ass stereo. I went and spent like $300 per speaker for this Klipsch. I spent all my money on my music, and it was fucking gone. And that's when I realized that I didn't care about anything else that burned up there. That's all I cared about. Can I just add one more thing, Baco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that's what, Drink. Yeah. What now? Drink? Okay, here we go. I said absolutely so that people at home have to drink. Well, that's why I'm drinking. Okay. Oh, I guess I'll drink then, too. Yeah, okay. That's when I realized, too, how how awesome it was to be able to go to a back catalog. Like, I had started to build, like, the, like I, all of a sudden I discovered um, Past Masters Volume 2 for the Beatles, which had more of their rocking songs or later stuff on it. That was the first time I like got into the Beatles and started going to that that back catalog and obviously Sabbath and stuff like that. That was was that um, incredible yeah. how you could discover a band and then you had like ten albums you can go back to. It was, a, right? it was awesome. Right? Well, actually with the discovery thing, let's get to that. Uh I'll I'll start with that because during like the, 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 the last two eras of my life that I talked about, that was a lot of discovery. Every month I was you know discovering a, a new band that I didn't know about, you know what I mean? Um, by the 90s, the, my next group here I'll call, well, well I, you can call it the college years, but I'm going to call it from 90 to 96 or whatever. I started college in 1990. I was done by 93, but you know I'm just, for the music, I'm going to stretch it to 96. Uh, now I'm just, just discovery is different for me. Now it's more about new bands, and then you know, you know, as, as less about like finding a band and then going back. Now I'm like hearing about bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and uh, Pearl Jam. Those are my big three from the grunge era. I never really got Nirvana that yep. much. Um, Neither. But there was all sorts of other, you know, uh, I mean, I was still kind of following along with Kiss, uh, uh, you know, pretty much through my entire life at this point, you know. But there's other bands like, you know, Melvin's, Body Count, L7, Pumpkins, or the Smashing Pumpkins, I should say. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots came out, you know, around this time. Sugar uh, was a, a band I got into a lot. I don't, I don't know how familiar with you are with them. And also, like, 1990 was when I really started embracing thrash beyond Metallica. You know, Slayer became my band in 1990, and I started, you know, getting into Megadeth and Anthrax. So I guess there was a little back catalog with thrash, but, but other than that, it was largely looking forward you know danzig broke around that time typo negative urge overkill fucking tool i think it was the what 93 um well with the sounds about the, right the sober the sober record sure. i think they had an yep. ep before that brother kane i fucking love those guys <laughs> around the yes. time that uh, I actually started looking at, at at music as like a possible career or something I was going to actually just dive into. Um, so towards you know the mid '90s is when I moved to the Twin Cities and actually you know started the band that eventually became you know Jesus Chrysler. Uh, and we all know that that worked out great for me, and I'm you know that's why I have such so much free time to do these podcasts <laughs> is that I made so much money. <laughs> um, who were you talk? Who were you talking to about that? Right around that time was when there was bands called like Nerf Herder and stuff like that. Was 
You're thinking about those like an ironic name. Oh um, sure, yeah, and that even kind of led into like, uh, well, Matchbox Twenty, more like an ironic song or uh, album titles, like you know, uh, images in rear, in mirror are closer than they appear, or something. Just kind of this, I don't know, just a lot of douchey alternative stuff that was like really just pop music disguised as as like grunge or alternative, like even Four Non Blondes. I mean, other than like, like giving yourself a really stupid name and wearing dreadlocks, you you wrote pop songs, and and to prove right. my point, she went on to be like the person who wrote most of Pink's material right away. Yeah, it's yep. just, it's just like, it, it, that's when you know that's what you know where oversaturation kind of killed uh, the Sunset Strip hair metal stuff. Uh, kind of the same thing happened was, with I grunge. Thought it was, uh... I thought it was the dirty uh, coffee drinkers from Seattle that we. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? When Nirvana put the bullet in the head of <laughs> of Rat, yeah, of Rat, and uh, and Pretty Boy Floyd, they killed them off. Yeah, Pretty Boy Floyd would have been huge if it wasn't for Nirvana. They were <laughs> just about to break. Well, um, let me just get into the, my song pick. Is that all right? Absolutely. Um, again, at this. Time of my life, I think I'm largely in a positive place. You know, I'm I'm getting actually better at my craft of playing guitar. Um, I I'm actually quitting my job and moving somewhere with the goal of rock and roll dreams, at least a starting point before I go somewhere else. You know what I mean? I had to get sure. to a big city to at least establish something and then go to the next thing. It was my big plan. So with that, nothing sums up my feeling about the mid '90s more than the Vince Neil song "You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come." You can't play that. We already played that in another episode. My serious pick, though, is like, I, I, you know, it was grunge and it was thrash were kind of new to me, and that, that started to mean a lot to me. I'm going to go a little bit with the thrash side. With John Bush's first appearance with Anthrax on the Sound of White Ooh. Noise record, I'm not going to try to spell out the letters for the song title. I'm just going to call it Sodium Pentothal.
I, I know you're a big fan of the, the John Bush era stuff with Anthrax, so I'm pretty sure. I mean, The Sound of White Noise is almost like a greatest hits record for me. So where are you going to take us now, Luce? What are we jumping to? Uh, Luce Jr. Where's Luce Jr. taking us? Well, I'm going to kind of fast forward pretty quick through these years and then get up to uh, the last, I would just call it 10 years. But yeah, 91 on, you know, that was my senior high school. Everything burned down to the ground and then um, kind of putting everything back together. And then and let me ask to, you this. Uh, yeah. Did you ever uh, manage to like uh, parlay the, the tragedy of your house burning down into hitting some uh, hitting some squish? I think so. I think that the uh, the girl that I was the, the girl that I was mentioning um, that I got a calzone with they, <laughs> the day my house got got on fire. That was um, no, I never broke through the other side with her. Everything else but the the final. Uh, so everything final but uh, yeah. everything but yeah, but 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 I think that helped. I think that accelerated the process <laughs> to the other. It definitely to would, their yeah. levels. Yeah. I'm so sad. Help me out, please. I should use that all the time. That was that was true Touch though. It. Like when I would meet somebody, they would be like, uh, like, oh, what, what happened? Why don't you have this or whatever? Like, oh, my house burned down. Oh, let me help you out there. Uh. <laughs> that is a good. That is a good move. Yeah. What do you I think? Would, oh yeah, absolutely. Drink. And by the way, everybody out there, <laughs> here's here, here's here's the reveal. My house never burned down. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about drinking a second ago? Uh, well, I said absolutely again. So every time I'm saying absolutely, I'm just saying drink. Oh, yes. There yeah. you go. But also one of the reasons I did the fraternity is I just did not want to be uh, – because we went to an, like an apartment and we're – and uh, again, it didn't, didn't – uh, music replaced family. I don't really think I've mentioned this yet. Did we re- mention this? I think that's one of the reasons that music is so important is it kind of was a substitute for stuff you didn't get elsewhere. So it replaced family for me. You know, it came up this weekend a little bit, kind of what you're talking about, and that uh, family is just kind of what it is. I think Mm -hmm. too often we get this magical idea beat into our head from movies or television or whatever that it's like, and and look, family can be good or positive or or in between, but it is what it is. Your friends and, and, and the family you create for yourself, you know, through your wife and your children, that's what matters. Your fucking Correct. aunts and uncles and cousins. I mean, I have zip in common yeah. with those losers. I'll tell you one funny story about that. Can I tell you real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Drink. So, so here, here's <laughs> here's a quick story about a girlfriend story. So the only time I ever really uh, at one point that girl that with a calzone that I almost uh, you know finger bang finished <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly well uh, you know we finally we we finally broke up and everything and my mom was uh, she's like oh that's too bad you guys broke up and we never talked about any of this kind of stuff before like you know never had the sex talk or anything like that and I said yeah mom. Uh, I just, you know, I, I just, you know, it, it just didn't work out. We didn't have that much in, much in common. It was mostly just like, you know, it was kind of physical or something like that. We were just attracted, but it just, you know, it wasn't going to work out long term. She's like, okay. So unbeknownst to me, uh, two days later, I get a call from my now ex-girlfriend saying, just calls me and goes, what the fuck is going on? Do you know what you just did? I am in so much trouble with my dad and my mom. I'm like, what? He's like, your mom wrote a note to my mom that said, I'm sorry you guys broke up. It turns out they didn't have much in common. <laughs> it's the physical relationship. Oh, my 
God. I would like to actually feature a new song since we've been doing a lot of old ones to keep us up. Uh, bring yeah, kind of to... get into like what we actually do here. Yeah, exactly. So since we started and everything like that, it, it has made me so happy that, that there are so many great albums and new music coming out in the last couple of years, more than I think in the early 2010s. Would you agree with that at least? Absolutely. Drink. <laughs> but but one of those albums that has to be one of these this record can, could have come out in 80s 70s I, I think it's just a, a a perfect rock album right it's it's timeless you're talking about the new glorious sons yeah album of the year you're gonna say it right now yeah i mean it was bubble flex before this but this Edges it out, man. It's so fuck. I'll t- I'll put it this way: this is the record that I've been going back to more than any all year. I haven't stopped, and every time it was it was a lot like the last record they did, where the, there was this one song that drew me in, and then I would play the album over and over again. I would I, my new favorite song would change constantly. It was it's so good. Yeah, I mean, everything you said, I agree. The I actually think that I like this album more than the first one. Um, yeah, probably me too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, heavy is on that one, but overall, yeah, heavy might be one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. But um, yeah, overall, yeah, I do. Um, God, I mean, the uh, shit, the Godless, Graceless, and Young is just poetic. What's the run? You said it's a, that three-song run in the middle. Yeah, it's Godless, Graceless, and Young. Um, shit, what's the one in between there? Uh, and then it's Sawed Off Shotgun. But those three songs, it's like six, seven, and eight on the record, or seven, eight, and nine, or something like that. But my no, lord, it's six, it's six, seven, it's six, seven, and eight. What's what's uh, let's do number eight. Let's do Sawed Off Shotgun.
Hey guys, Joshua Toomey from the Talk To Me podcast here calling to congratulate Loose Cannon and Baco on 100 episodes of the Cobras and Fire podcast. But not only that milestone, but the 100, the 1,362 mentions of Kiss, 563 mentions of Boba Flex, and the always depressing 168 mentions of Loose Cannon's childhood home burning down. <laughs> so guys, here's to at least 38 more episodes before you guys decide to go into pod fading and move on with your lives and do something more important. Congratulations on 100, and we will talk to you soon. All right, Baco, what you got for the last era up till now? Well, like you, I'm going to kind of basically pick right now, which I will call, I don't know, 2012 to today, to present. Um, around 2012, things started kind of slowing down for the band because of a lot of things out of, well, definitely out of my control, you know, with uh, the other guys in the band having things that they're dealing with. I mean... I don't mean that as a judgment. I mean, you know, if we get older and kids are born and, you know, yeah, all, these, exactly. all these things are happening and they, they take up time. But the reality is we can't practice like we used to, uh, which means we can't gig like we used to. And it wasn't like the band was paying our bills. It was largely something that was self-sufficient at the time. Um, in other words, we didn't need to pay out of pocket to do it so much. But, you know, it... it it just had been a long run, and while did we did, you ever pay to play? No, no. I mean, that was never okay. really an option around here. Uh, the, oh well, I, I guess the Warp Tour does that count? Uh, we did. We didn't do it. That? We didn't do it, but uh, it, it wasn't really pay to play. It was play for free, and yeah. then but you have to commit to like three weeks or something like that. This is back in two thousand two. Uh, in other words, like you had to basically quit your job if you had one, you know, and, and by the way, anybody out there listening, if you're not willing to quit your job, you're just, just become the best cover band in your town. Because if you, if you're not really willing to just basically make it your life and, and scrimp and, and get by the best you can, you, you really have no shot anyway. So there is no backup plan for being a musician. You either are all in or all out. I learned that way too late. So that said, around 2012, things were dying down for all these reasons. Uh, and it, it started, I actually got a little depressed because like I couldn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? I, I can't make people, you know, change what's important in their life. Uh, but it was real. And then shortly after that, I started my own blog, uh, which led me to becoming a writer for Decibel Geek, which led me to doing this with you. And that whole process has kind of rejuvenated a lot of the those same um, guttural feelings that you get from music, that, that music has always given me. Um, and one thing that you have contributed to, to my life that, that has helped a lot, and that was, you know, besides bringing me into the show, was all of a sudden exposing me to all this great new music by new bands that was inspired and it was passion. And it was like, I was like, I was 15 again. And suddenly I felt like excited for new music. And then that was something that like I was missing for so long. And it's yeah, so cool. And, and to unfortunately, have that. and unfortunately, those bands that I introduced you to, you got to see like 19 times, and they never come to me. <laughs> Almost right away, I was, I was like, I was like hanging out with Bubba Flex and like, uh, you know, uh, cutting the cord at their children's birth and performing bristles. 
<laughs> and you're like, I don't even know these guys. And you're cutting off the foreskin of their penises. Yeah, that was a hell of a, uh, a picture you took. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, you, you opened the door to me. And then all of a sudden, all these other things came in. You know, there was so much. I mean, I ran down that list of like, you know, whatever, like when I was a kid in the 80s there. But. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff like that, you know, now. I mean, I mean, it, it's not just Bobaflex, you know. It's like, I don't know, I, King, Them Evils, I, who we interviewed. Uh, Goodbye June, Bad Flower, I just saw them. They were great. Danko oh, Jones. Man. Danko fucking Jones brought us together, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, my God. And then we got to interview him. How cool was that? It's full full circle. Oh my god! It was like it it was almost like we should have shut down then, and and (laughs) maybe some people think we should have. Uh, (laughs) Love you, Billy Hardaway. Uh, It's a hundredth episode. We have to mention Billy Hardaway at least what five times. Oh man, we haven't mentioned him in a while. I I, I just said it twice, so that we got uh, three more times to go. Moss Trunk, Glorious Sons, Wilson, Red Sun Rising, Crowbot. All these bands came into my life after you and I started doing this podcast. Uh, you know what bands came into my life after I met you? Uh, Kiss? None. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't even remember, I can't even remember anybody you, you've even introduced me to. I have done all the heavy lifting for this fucking show of introducing new music. Uh, what are you I'm sorry. Uh, them Evils, Bad Flower. Um, gl- and, Bad Flower uh, is you? I don't think Bad Flower is you. Oh, Bad Flower is totally me. You had not heard of no. them when I turned them on to you. No. Uh, Wilson for sure. Uh, no, I introduced uh, you to Wilson. So you, fucking, you don't even know. I brought you. I brought Wilson to you. Actually, I Barney McCoy brought Wilson to me. Actually, Marty McCoy said, check out Wilson. Three days later, Wilson's people emailed me the record. And I said, you have to hear this record. I'll have to check the tape. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't, don't even bother because I did. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, no, you have definitely uh, introduced a lot more new stuff. I've said it time and time again. You are better at this. You you find it and you throw it at me. I mean, and ninety percent of it is garbage, and the ten percent is a list I just said. <laughs> All right, uh, that's fine. I mean, come on, the biters, really? Are you fucking kidding me? No, nah, I love the biters. Are you, they no, should you have don't. been on the list. Well, who knew when you turn into the 100th episode, you get a little bit of, of realness along with the silliness. So, you know, we appreciate everybody listening. It really does mean a lot to us. Interact, Facebook, throw some reviews out there on, I, on iTunes. But we're looking forward to doing another 100 more. This is a complete release for me. And what a release. No doubt. And, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, without the people listening, uh, we'd probably still be doing it. But uh, you make it a lot funner. <laughs> uh, so... Anyway, uh, so my uh, kind of current track uh, fro- is from uh, another Canadian band. Uh, so that's a tip off to you, Meister. And uh, what's a Wally Gator? Yeah, those couple of dumb Canucks out there spending toonies and loonies at uh, Tim Hortons. Uh, this is a band called Monster Truck, and it's called Things Will Get Better. 100 episodes, baby. Now you want to do the, uh, the, the outro or what? Rock's not dead. It's hiding. And you found it. And it just turned a hundred.
before they get better. I got a It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 